Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be there this morning or that they would quickly get to a heart of worship. That we would take the distractions of this week, the busyness, the craziness, the, the chaos for some. And Lord, that we would push that aside this morning. That our hearts would be in the place where we could hear your voice. That Lord, when we look at your word, it would impact us. That we would leave differently than we came. Lord, we pray that your, your Spirit would be upon us this morning and work in a powerful way. We pray, Lord, that the words that we need to hear for us would be the words we hear this morning. Your Word is powerful. It cuts. It discerns. May it be that powerful this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to open your, if you brought your Bible, open your Bible. Because this passage, when you open this, we have done, we have, uh, this is like the passage that we have uh, followed pretty uh, steadily. um, As we had a mission of being neighbors good and uh, making neighbors and building God's neighborhood, you will remember that. Uh, But I want you to open your Bibles and follow along with me because I'm praying that there's something new, right? That we don't, that you don't just check me out after about two minutes this morning, because I've heard this one before, right? It's one of those more famous ones. I want, I want you to look for something new today. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law, a lawyer, stood up to test Jesus Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho. Jericho, it's still alive, right? still there. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man... He passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and 
gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. May God have his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Lord, we come to you this morning and in awe that you would even hear us, that you would even care. As we prepare to hear your word this morning, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts. Lord, I pray for those who don't have a relationship with you, who don't know who you are in a personal way. They know of you. They've heard of you. But there's no relationship. There's no connection. There's no friendship. I pray even now that you'd open their hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd give strength and wisdom and discernment in the words that are spoken this morning, that your words would be the most powerful words spoken in your life, in our lives this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Happy birthday, Lou, tomorrow, buddy. I didn't, yeah, it's Lou's birthday tomorrow. How old are you going to be, bud? Six. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I don't know about you, but when I turned six, it was pretty awesome, right? I'm thinking it's pretty awesome for Lou today. It's his birthday month. That's something. Six birthdays, baby. Yeah. Well, we'll just give those to you, Neil. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple things I want to uh, just want to deal with. Um, if you are interested in being a part of Easter morning, that's a sunrise service. We usually have some. Uh, we usually do some skits or some. Uh, it escapes me in the name. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been here before, <laughs> if that's something you like to do, get a hold of me. Um, normally, we have just kind of pulled people into that. Um, we're going to try something a little different. If that's something you like to do, if you like to do some uh, role play, some acting, uh, I would love to spend some time. I'd like to build that um, from a little bit different angle this year. So we're going to try that. So if that's something you'd like to do, let me know. And if nobody asks, then I'll start asking people, right? You have to be good at it. No, you don't have to be good at it. You have to be convincing. Oh, that Are you convincing? Oh, no. <laughs> so... <laughs> so... Um, I hope that uh, in some way, shape, or form, you have asked this question. I hope you asked the question, and maybe in the last couple of months, where is Greenfield headed? Have, and maybe you haven't really thought about that question, but I want to ask you to think about that question. Where is Greenfield headed? Right? If we, we believe that we serve an almighty God who gives us a direction, and if we don't have a direction, we're in trouble, right? If a boat doesn't have a, a rudder, we're in trouble. We're, we're headed all over the place. And so I want you to think about that as we look at this passage this morning. I do have a, a small piece I need to take care of. Um, but I need, I need your permission to, I need to ask you that you don't use any flash photography. All right? And this is a secret between me, you, and nobody else. Because I don't have permission to show you these pictures. But they're just too cool not to show you. So, uh, 
I, 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 didn't, I don't have permission. So if that gets on Facebook, we're all in trouble. And I'm blaming all you. That's uh, Lumina Kim. We don't have a middle name. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't have a middle name. Uh, Lumina spelled L-O-O hyphen M-I-N-A. Um, obviously, her father is uh, Korean, so that um, did play a part in that. But that's, uh, that's my daughter, Hannah. Ugh. And my wife said, goodness gracious, we've got to wait three weeks to go see her. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. All right, let's do something. Let's, oh, I don't, let's. So I, I wanted to get back to this picture. I like this picture. Um, I don't know if you thought about this picture. I don't know if you even saw inside the cross there's a, there's a heartbeat in there. Um, I'm hoping that we'll unfold that picture in time. So this passage is a parable. And I know you've heard this story before. I know if you haven't been to Greenfield, you've heard this story before, right? We have named laws after this story. There's the Good Samaritan Law. That has nothing to do with church, right? Other than it talks about the story, but it's all about trying to help someone and not being sued for that, uh, that opportunity to help someone. So this story is out there, and I know as Greenfield people, we have heard this story over and over, and sometimes, very quickly, it gets like, I know this story, I've had enough of this story, right? Let's go to a different story. Um, but I think it's important to look at this story. And today's story is a parable. It's a story that was designed to share an idea. A concept that Jesus wanted to share to help the lawyer understand. See, when the story starts, the lawyer is out to trip up Jesus. He's out to ask a question that he thinks Jesus can't answer or that he won't answer in the right way. The whole goal of this story, uh, or the whole goal of the story, is to answer that question. And what does Jesus do right off the bat? He answers a question with two more questions. Right? He says, what's written in the law? Obviously, a lawyer is going to know that, that answer, right? And how do you read it? How do you interpret it? And so he asks that question right off the bat. And how does he answer he gives them a scripture. Boom. The lawyer fights, pops right back with a scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? It probably would have ended right there had the lawyer not said, what can I do to justify myself, right? He asked that question really quick like, well, this is an actual picture of uh, the road that goes from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's uh, about 17 miles long. It's very windy, and it goes down about 3,000 feet. Uh, and it's a great place if you're going to take somebody out or you're going to rob them. It's, it's pretty good for that because it's real long, windy, and, and there isn't anywhere else to A lot of the places, there isn't anywhere else to go. There's just this little trail. And so Jesus knew that the lawyer would know this road, right? He knew that if he talked about this story and he, he began to create the story in the lawyer's head. And the story was all about uh, how we should treat other people. I want to, so I want to talk, I want to go right to uh, what our vision might look like at Greenfield. 
Because I think it's important to know that there's, there are good things to do, and then there are better things to do, are there not? And I think if we want to effectively alter the kingdom of God by bringing more people to Him, by bringing believers into that fold, we need to encourage them. We need to help them get there. And that's what happens in this passage. See, everyone, we, we see that this guy, the Samaritan, we, don't, we think, we go to this story and we think, the Samaritan was just the bad guy, right? So the good guys didn't do any of the stuff they were supposed to, and the bad guys, the bad guy was the guy who did it. He was the one who helped. And, but it's big, I think the passage is bigger than just the bad, the bad guy helped, and we wouldn't expect the bad guy to help. The bad guy was able to see with God's eyes. He was able to see with God's eyes who was laying there. See, the other guys walked by the road. The priest, the guy who should have been more than willing to help, walked by. It doesn't matter why. Lots of people try to figure out, well, maybe he was headed to the synagogue. Maybe he had a service to do. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Whatever the reason, he made the decision to walk by. The Levite, he walked by, right? One of God's people, he walked by. The Samaritan saw him and didn't walk by. He saw them. He saw him laying there. He had compassion on him in that moment. In, uh, in the King James, it says, uh, in, in, our, in the NIV, it says pity, but in uh, King James, it says compassion. He took compassion on that man. And we, as people of God, need to take that mindset, that mindset of compassion. I don't know if you think much about what that looks like. But I think in a lot of ways, it's not all that hard, but you got to want to, right? Isn't that a nice, isn't that nice? When I read that early in the week, I thought, I just want to say that a hundred times. You got to want to, right? You got to want to see with God's eyes. You got to make a point to see with God's eyes. So look at people with God's eyes. Because we can walk right past, well, I want to show you this video. Hey, Zach, can you cue up that video? But don't turn it on yet. One second. I, I have a question when you watch this video. I'm going to ask you to, to answer this question when you're done. Which person am I? God of justice, Savior to all, came to rescue the weak and the poor, chose to serve and not be served. Jesus, you have called us.
Make you a little uncomfortable? Made me a little uncomfortable. Especially when I ask myself, which person am I? And I think it has a whole lot less to do with prejudice. Uh, because I, I don't know if you watched, but even the second guy, a bunch of people walked by. That's called the Good Samaritan. It was a, an experiment done to see who would stop and help. And I have to ask myself that question as I watched that. I, have to, I said, I which person am I in that video? If I walk by someone, am I willing to stop and help? It challenges me. I hope it challenges you a bit to ask yourself, am I willing to get involved? That's someone's child. I don't know the details. You don't know the details. But it's someone's child. That challenges me to think about that. It could be one of our children. The challenge in that video is, might be late for work. The one, I don't know if you saw the one lady who was running. I thought for sure she was running to the person who was laying down. And what was she doing? She was running from one place to another. She had run right past that person. Like they didn't even exist. See, it takes a lot of time and effort and energy to look with God's eyes at people. It's harder because it's a whole lot easier to do the blinder thing. And that's what happens in this parable, right? The priest and the Levite, they did not see this person laying on the side of the road. They saw that person just like the Samaritan saw that person. But they made a decision. They made a decision to keep on walking and not make and help when they had the chance. And I'm willing to bet that there are plenty of times in our life on any given day that we are in the exact same spot. We have an opportunity to step out and help and we choose not always to do it that way. Which person am I? Am I going to be the person who looks at people with my human eyes or am I going to be the person who looks at people with my God eyes? Because we know that God would see that person as important. Important enough to make an effort to help. And I believe that the vision of this church requires us to begin to look at people in a different way. I love the hospital model idea, right? People go to a hospital for what? 
They don't go there to visit unless you're me. <laughs> I go there to visit a lot. I don't really want to go there any more often than I have to, but I go there a lot to visit. But most people, 99% of the people that go are in there for a reason. There's something wrong. Something is going wrong. They're in trouble. And they need help. And isn't that what the church should look like today? I believe that's the model that it should look like. It should look like a hospital. You and I both know that hospitals are sometimes messy. And working with people who have struggles can be messy. And it will be hard and there will be challenges in that. And that's the reason I talk about looking at it with God's eyes because if we can look at it with God's eyes, we can at least find good in some of the hard, difficult things we're dealing with in life. The second thing that this, the Samaritan in this parable does is he takes action. And if you want to be effective for the kingdom, Greenfield, you need to take action. He went and bandaged the wounds. Do you know what he would do today? He'd have had to grab his vinyl gloves and Right? Because we didn't want any blood-borne illness. We would have had to... It doesn't say that he did any of that. He went over and bound those wounds. I don't know what half-dead looks like. But I'm thinking it wasn't a scratch, right? Half-dead must have been pretty bad. He saw a need and he met it. He met the man's need. I think it's pretty interesting that he bandaged his wounds. Hospital reference, right? He poured oil and wine. Now, they didn't have antiseptic, and that's what they used for, would have used for antiseptic. They would have poured that in to, cut, to clean out the cuts that he had or whatever, the scratches, whatever was going on. You ever had anybody bind your wounds, clean up the scratches of your life, help you out when you had needs? Guaranteed, all of us have been there at one point or another. I can remember we had, uh, when we first had Hannah, uh, we, we always used to joke we didn't have two nickels, rubbed two nickels together at that point. We were so poor, we, Amy made the Christmas ornaments for the tree that year, and we strung popcorn. I remember that. <laughs> but you know what else I remember in the middle of that? I remember that people came alongside of us. People came alongside of us and made sure that things, our needs were taken care of. They made sure that none of us starved to death. Good, good for me, right? I didn't starve to death. They made sure we had all our needs met for our kids. My parents, my in-laws, they did that. And you guys know as well as I know that when that moment comes in our own lives, that people come alongside People come alongside and have come alongside. There are moments when my kids have called and they said, we are, <laughs> I had one moment, I won't tell you what kid. It's like, I am minus 700 in the account. <laughs> and, it, and you know what happens when you're minus 700, right? Anything, one penny that goes in, the, uh, comes back out of that is going to be another 30 bucks, another 30 bucks. And, it's, and it compounds very quickly. And she, and she yeah, she. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she, yeah, that's right. She or he, you pick. <laughs> yeah, they. You figure out really quickly that all your, all your kids are not the same, right? One kid's really 
good with money, one's really tight, and one sucks at it. <laughs> that's a reality. I just, maybe that's just our kids. I don't know. But I can remember that phone call and utter just, she's cr- just crushed, right? Crushed that she had come to that point and just needed a helping hand. You know what? She learned her lesson at that moment. She's not ever called back and asked for that again. But at that moment, she just needed mom and dad to help pick up the pieces. And each and every one of us have had that person in our life. People in our lives that have helped to pick up the pieces. And I believe that our, the church needs to look like that. That means the church needs to come alongside uh, hurting and wounded and struggling people. You'll know there's a verse in Romans 12, uh, 15. It says, rejoice with those rejo- who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Best verse to ever to memorize, right? John eleven thirty five. 35. If you've never memorized the verse, here it is. You got it. Um, the harder thing is memorizing where it's at. John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. I don't know if you know the story that goes with that little verse. But his friend Lazarus dies before he gets there. His friend dies. And the humanness in Jesus comes out, which is absolutely what I love, right? And, and you should love that too, because he is a real person with real feelings and emotions. He gets there, and he realizes that Mary, Mary and Martha are hurt. They're hurt because Lazarus has died. And he weeps with the family. When is the last time that you sat with someone in that kind of sorrow? You sat in death and pain and sorrow with someone who you knew needed your help. I, told, I said something last week about Tithing, I think tithing is things like that, right? It's easy to throw money in an offering plate. It's hard to sit with someone who has just witnessed a death, who has been involved in a death in their family. That is hard stuff. And yet that's what God calls us to, to be in those spots and to take action like the Samaritan. The Samaritan took action. He knew this person needed help and he made it. A point to help. I want to share real quick about uh, a really cool ministry. A really cool ministry that has blessed me. Um, there are some people going in March, and I just, um, if you don't know what Koinonia is and you want to feel God's love, um, I won't tell you any more details. I, I, it's, it'd be unfair to tell you about the weekend. Um, it took me 20 years to go, or probably more, 25 years. Uh, I was bullheaded, and my wife couldn't go until I went. That just bothered me, and I, I was being stubborn. And you know what? There aren't many things I regret in life. That's one of them, that I held off for that long. If you want to experience God's love like no other, I would encourage you to pray about going on a Koinonia weekend. Liz and Larry Norman, I, just put your hands up, guys. Just, I don't want to embarrass you, but they... They, have, um, they do a lot of the work. Mark, uh, Mark and Julie have gone. Amy and I have gone. There's a lot of people who have gone. Who, I, I, I tell you this because this is God's hands and feet in action. They took action. 
When you go on that weekend, it is powerful. It's powerful because you just can't believe that God's people are so good and want to make your weekend good. So I'm here to encourage you that if that is something you are interested in, let them know, let me know, we'll, we'll get you hooked up. Because it's an awesome ministry of God's people in action. Church, we need to be continuing to be in action. Finally, it's going to cost you. Now, I need to clarify one thing. Salvation cost, salvation cost Jesus his life. There's no cost there. There's grace involved in that. But once you have a relationship with Jesus, there is a cost. There is a cost to doing good to help other people. And I don't know if you noticed in verse 35, it says, The next day he took out two silver coins. He gave them to the innkeeper. He said, Look after this man, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Don't you think that the Samaritan already did a good job, right? He picked this guy up, he bandaged his wounds, he cleaned his wounds, he put him on his donkey. Mind you, he put him on his donkey. You know, it just says that, it doesn't tell you much about that. That means he had to walk, right? He, also, <laughs> he was... He also maybe had to take what the donkey had on him. <laughs> he might have, yeah. There was, there was some things given there. And then he takes him to the inn, he stays overnight and continues to find those wounds, and take care of them. And then he says, listen, if there's any extra cost, when I come back through town, I'll pick that up too. If there's anything left, I'll pick that up too. I want to read Matthew 6, 19, and 20. 6, Matthew, what is it? 6, 19, and 20. I didn't write anything down, so I couldn't remember what it was. Sorry. It says, when, um, Matthew 6, 19 and 20. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break... Let me start again. I said it backwards. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. It begs the question, what are you building? That, that song about foundations, I, I'll ask you that question. What are you trying to build? Your personal fame? Your personal... Uh, money pile? What? What are you saving all those resources that God has given you for? They're there. You only, get, you only can make so much money. See, it's going to cost you to be doing God's work. It may cost you your ego. It may cost you some time. It may cost you some money. It may cost you energy. Emotionally, it probably will cost you. But you can only store up so much. There's only so much to be stored. This is a modern-day picture, obviously, of a parable that comes out of Luke 
1222. Guy, uh, there's a man who has uh, all this farmland and he has a great harvest. He must have done everything right. The rain was perfect. Fertilizer was good. He has a harvest that's so big that his barns aren't big enough to hold it. Think about that. The barns are not big enough to hold it. He doesn't have enough room. So this is what he thinks. He thinks, I'll tear down my barns and build new barns, and they'll be big enough to store up everything I have. And I'll store up everything I have so I can sit back and do nothing for a couple years. I'm going to retire. That's what he's thinking. I'm going to retire. And the parable ends like this. For today, your uh, life will be uh, asked of you. He ends up dying as soon as he gets that all done. And he never, ever makes uh, any use of all that extra harvest. I bring that up because I ask myself, what am I trying to build? Am I trying to build my personal wealth or am I trying to build God's kingdom? You know, it cost Jesus his life. It cost him his life for our salvation. He took our sins to the cross. He took our sins to the cross so that we could have life. You know, we're about to begin the Easter season, and it reminds me of that sacrifice that was made. We're about to spend some weeks uh, contemplating the sacrifice of Jesus walking the path to Calvary for each and every one of us. He walked that path for us. But you got to accept that. You got to go to the point where you say, Yes, I need Jesus in my life. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning and we ask the question, can we be like the Samaritan man? Can we live our life looking through your eyes? Can we live our life looking to see how people have needs and making an effort to do that? Can we, Lord take action will we take action like that video showed will we be the people who walk right by or will we be the people Lord who will step aside take a moment to find out what's going on and Lord we know that good ministry good kingdom ministry pointed in the direction you'd have us to go will cost us it will cost us personally. It will cost us as a congregation. And yet that's what you're asking of us, Lord. You're asking us to take a chance. To take a chance on the direction that you would have us to go. And to be a hospital for hurting people. Lord, there is no absence of hurting people. Every day we walk and see, we talk to, we experience uh, mo moment to moment we see hurting people. Lord, there are so many hurting people here. So many people who have felt the sting 
of a harsh, harsh words, of harsh actions. So many who are calloused because someone has said something that wasn't true. So much pain from the sins of our lives. Lord, you ask us to do one thing. To bring it to the cross. You don't ask us to come and fix it all. Or fix it before we get there. You ask us to bring it to the cross and trust you. To allow you, Lord, to work in our lives. That means, Lord, we allow what you love ill, sick people who are wounded and an opportunity to heal them, Lord. Help us as a church to be there. To walk alongside, to hold people's hands. To encourage their hearts as they get healing. In your name we pray. Amen.